this is the big we a black joy spreading afrofuturist visioning real talk food for your soul pop culture podcast big laughs big love big joy big dreams big we hey y'all i'm your co-host anasa troutman a lover of love a lover of life a lover of people and a lover of you i love me too I'm a writer, producer, and cultural strategist who lives in Memphis. I was born in July because Leos are the best. And I continue to be obsessed with everything from Octavia Butler to Lando Calrissian, from Oprah Winfrey to the unmatched Stevie Wonder. Where you at, Calvin? Well, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are, that's where you'll find yourself. Um, <laughs> my father-in-law would say. Uh <laughs> Yeah, as you can tell, I'm getting ready for my dad jokes because <laughs> any moment, any day, any time. So with that being said, I'm the other co-host, Calvin Mitchell Williams III. And aside from being your resident Afrofuturist for Liberation, I am a retired spoken word poet, a recovering organizer, and a relentless culture nerd who understands the world through memes, mixtapes, and comic book metaphors. And I spend my time creating space for new stories and storytellers to emerge. And after many journeys through spaces, place, and time, I now call Oakland, California my home. And you can tell by my intro, I am a Piscean Pisces. Yo. (laughs) You really are, though. I really you are. And now, I just want to say that I'm an expert on Pisces men because my father is a Pisces, hey. a quintessential Pisces. And one of my best friends on Earth is also a quintessential Pisces man. And you, my friend, are the most Pisces of all the Pisces. Wow. Thank you. you are- and I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And thank you. I'm sorry, but unapologetically so, but I own it and I embrace it I and I like, hold the space. So, you know, all the Piscean things. I would like to apologize to all the women you loved when you were young and congratulate all the women who love you now that you're grown. <laughs> I feel like that should be a, a, a standing greeting that I have. Uh, in my introductions, um, and, and a big shout out to, uh, yeah, yeah, my my current comrade for life, Lila. Who? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, she got lucky. She waited long enough for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Yo, and if this child comes uh, on or before schedule, we will have a Scorpio and officially have a house full of water. A so, lot. Uh, the, the aquarium. So I don't even know what to do for y'all. I just gonna pray for you. Hey, we will take we'll take it and need it anyway. So. <laughs> right. we, we, we know who we are. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it's been a year? No. Like has it been a whole year? It's, it's just about been a whole year. It's been so fun. It has been a fun journey. I started to talk to people when I learned they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I do this and this and this, but I have a podcast is what I do for fun. Right. This podcast is the sunshine of my life. So Calvin, what 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 you got going on? What is this song that is inspiring you or speaking to your life right now? What's happening? Oh, that's a great question. Um, this past weekend was Afrotech in Oakland. Yeah. And there was a local uh coordinating and planning committee to just welcome the folks who are coming to uh, the town to come with uh, that sense of this is what the town is about, the culture, the people, the place, um, and, and how you can show up with uh, 
that kind of level of both respect, but also um, the the invitation to participate and um, mm. experience the culture. And with mm-hmm. that, you know, the town experience was born. And uh, Ryan Nicole curated a really dope Oakland town experience uh, playlist on Pandora. And oh, so awesome. uh, I've been listening to a lot of that. Can and that? yeah, I will, I will share it. But the song that I actually caught myself playing in repeat, because it's mm. one of the songs that I think I want to just like, you know, I, I can't wait for, uh, you know, this child to be able to hear a song like this and be like, yeah, I remember those days. Right. Uh, mm. And it's black delicious. Make you feel that way. Yeah. Uh, and I used to rock that song on repeat while I was studying. <laughs> I I was this close. I may have mentioned this before about uh, skipping out on a uh, midterm exam in undergrad to see Black Alicious and Talib Kweli uh, in, in Atlanta. <laughs> and of course, the nerd in me was like, but I don't want to miss my exam. <laughs> yeah, because that's super irresponsible. Right? I know, right? Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah, Black Delicious make you feel that way. Uh, there's something about being able to reminisce about times back when over a chill beat, and it just yeah. put me in the the right like mood and and vibe for uh, where I'm at, where I'm at in life. Where it's like, no, you're gonna look back at this moment in time and be like, man, what a time to be alive. So Black Delicious mm. make you feel that way. Mm. Mm. How about you, Anasa? What's the song that's that's uh, your mood, your vibe, giving you life? No. I can't believe that you just said all that because <laughs> I spent my morning trying to think about songs about reflection, and you just had a, you just said all that. I'm like, we're on the we're, why do we always have the same thing to say? You know, right? Kindred and all that. Yeah. So I was having a conversation. So my song is "Reflections" by The Supremes, which is like one of my favorite songs of all time, but that's not the point. And I would like to point out that it's really just the sentiment, not the lyrics, because I don't have a broken heart today. And that song is really about broken hearts. That's not the point. The point is, I was talking to my friend this weekend and we were talking about um, the end of the year because, you know, it's it's hibernation time. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the plants are growing more slowly, but our energy is a little bit lower. You know, it's time to reflect. But she said to me the craziest thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. She said, I mean, yeah. Well, it's not just the end of the year. It's the end of a decade. And I was like, mind Mind blown. 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 It's been 10 years. Of a decade. Next year is 2020. And not only is it 2020, but when we were little, 2020 was the year that people talked about as being the future. Yo, true story. This is like we're about to step into the future, guys. Like we're stepping into the actual future. And this moment, like this next six weeks before the end of the year, I feel really compelled to take some time to slow down and really like not just reflect on my year, but reflect on my decade. Mm -hmm. Because it's been a it's been a thing. This a lot, a lot has happened. I think when you're I don't know if this is true, but I feel like the older you get, the um, the more space there is, right? But like at this moment in my life, I'm like, this was like a really intense day, <laughs> a really intense decade. <laughs> I think about all the things I've done, all the people I've met, all the men I've dated, all the like, all the things. I'm like, Jesus Christ, 
I need a break. I need to take a whole year off to recover from the decade and just like integrate and think about it and reflect and write movies or something. I don't know. But so Reflections is my song because I'm like, I'm not in reflective mode yet because I don't have time right now, which is a whole nother conversation um, about my next decade, how I want to have so I want to be more spacious in the the 2020s. But um, I want to get clear about who I have become because I want to get clear about the kind of future I want to make because we're stepping into like we're stepping into the future Mm. and it feels heavy, but it feels exciting. So we'll see. And here we are. It's also just even layering on top of that, the um, closing out on the year of return. Um, Right. Uh, I know. I know. Which in some ways is almost. Which is the same conversation. Right. Right. The same thing. It's like had it reflecting on the story of the past to make a powerful future. Absolutely. Like the, what the year return is all about. Like the return was almost a portal into the future conversation that uh, invited us to be in reflection, but thinking of reflection, yeah. not only about looking back in the past, but looking at ourselves, right? Like the reflection of a mirror and how mirrors could be yeah. portals to um, what's to come. So I, I, yeah, I'm very mm. curious about um, what ways are we going to mirror um, the beauty of the past into the future and um, what ways we get to uh, co-author that together uh, with purpose, especially since so many of the offerings of this past year uh, was that invitation to reflect and to, to gather um, and if there's ever a time to uh, simultaneously like create and reflect as a dream for the future, it is now like 2020 yeah. is so right like for now. so many reasons why that is a critical moment in time. Yeah. And for those who don't know, uh, this year of return 2019 is really kind of an acknowledgement and commemoration of the 400 the anniversary of the first slave ship that arrived here in Virginia. Um, in the States and and left from Ghana, came to Virginia. So there's been a lot of folks making pilgrimages and storytelling and really being in deep conversation about what it means, this 400th anniversary, what is the reconnection? How do we um, ourselves return and, and, and reconnect? And we actually even did an episode because some friends of ours went back to Ghana um, Kevin Killer and Sarah Eaglehart went to visit Ghana this summer, and we have a really beautiful episode um, about their trip. So you should go back a few episodes and listen to that if you haven't already. Um, but I'm I'm excited about. I had given up on the dream, and it's alive. It's alive again. I might be able to go. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm oh. excited for you. I'm manifesting right now. Yeah. I'm manifest manifesting. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, it's our last episode of the season, Calvin. Yeah. We've come full circle to the end of season two. Season two about reparations, yeah. and yes. uh, mm. and even all the journeys of what it means to be in um, in in a spirit of healing and the journey of healing uh, for the repair of ourselves, our uh, relations, uh, the institutions, and our our legacies and past. And I think uh, it's so befitting to have a conversation. Uh, about uh, reparations and liberation and sovereignty uh, yes. coinciding with the release of Harriet. 
Um, yeah, yes. There, there's been a lot of uh, excitement, a lot of conversation, some controversy, as there always is, with uh, the release <laughs> of any uh, Black epic movie uh, about um, heroes in our time. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, with that, I, I think that would be a great way to... Uh, to end, to end to and like celebrate. lean into, yeah. 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 Did you see it? Yeah, I did see it, and it's and I was excited to see it because I, I mean, I've been excited since they made the announcement. Mm-hmm. I've been like anticipating. So for those who haven't seen Harry yet, it's a biographical film about the abolitionist Harriet Tubman. It's directed by Cassie Lemons, who also wrote the screenplay with Gregory Allen Howard, and it stars Cynthia Revo as Harriet Tubman, who uh, folks who um, are Broadway fans know Harry, uh, Cynthia Revo from like her amazing work on Broadway. She's like award-winning gen- genius, brilliant actor, singer, dancer, blah blah blah, and also Leslie Odom Jr., who was also gay, uh, made his um, his mark on Broadway playing in Hamilton. That's how he got famous. Mm-hmm. So also Janelle Monae is in it, and she is my favorite part of this whole movie. She's so amazing in it. But, <clears throat> you know, um, I, we're going to talk about this movie today. It's, I think it, I think Calvin, you're right. It's really apropos for us to talk about it today as we close our season about repair and reparations. And we, uh, we really examine um, this film that examines the life of this woman who um, is actually, is, is my actual favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. Um which is actually a really interesting window into my issues with this. Well, we'll get to that later. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, let's go. Did you have you seen it yet, Kevin? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah. I I've been dying to hear what you think about it. Yeah, you know, I love that I I watched it here in Oakland, and it was just like a mostly black audience and you know, families and, uh, you know, folks. So, uh, the, the responses, I always go knowing that on the opening weekend, the responses will be visceral, will be unapologetic. It'll be in real time and you'll, you'll get like a real response. So there, there's certain parts I really, really loved. And there are certain parts that, uh, I found just to be straight up, like I found challenging um, mm. for this. I, I knew that there were choices that were being made to tell a complex, honest story of the historical landscape um, mm. and political landscape it was in. And then the the history nerd in me was like um, re- trying to reconcile those two things, especially as it played out, particularly with black other black characters. Um, because I, I saw how this audience was engaging with those black characters with more anger than even the, um, slave masters and the, the other, other and, and, and and that part kind of like, uh, felt jarring, like to the point where I was like, I don't know if I could watch this right now. Um, Mm. um, but what kept me in my seat was watching this amazing like a couple of things like depicting how young Harriet Tubman actually was in the time that this yeah. was happening this was a young black woman who was a, a visionary a prophetess uh, a, a a prayer warrior an actual warrior a, a battalion leader <laughs> an armed resistance you know conspirator and 
when when needed to be was all of those things all at once and also at the same time someone who so deeply loved her family would not take no for an answer to see them uh, uh see them breathe free air like that that part of it was just so such a thrilling rush that um all those other things kind of melted away after i you know kind of slept off my <laughs> well actually part of my brain so uh how about you like what what was your kind of like knee-jerk response <laughs> you know that i feel like if we're more honest that at least for me i i have that voice well actually like the yeah, little the guy raising the hand like this whether you're holding your elbow like shooting it straight up like <laughs> yeah I... <laughs> so so you know the thing that's interesting to me is that you know, from a pop culture standpoint, we've been in a we've been in an in an intense conversation about Harriet Tubman lately. Mm-hmm. Not just because of Harriet the movie and the anticipation of that, but also the insertion of the Water Dancer, right? Right, as Oprah and Apple uh, Apple Plus's first book in the new Oprah Book Club, and so I've been like. And on top of that, like the irony here is that I've been researching Harriet Tubman and reading Harriet Tubman books all year because of the work I'm doing in Memphis. Her name keeps coming up and I'm like been thinking about her and, and how to like what, to, what what I can learn from her and the work that we're doing here that feels like um, by no stretch of the imagination, the intense work that she had to do, but it feels like liberation work mm. right and so i've been i've been um meditating on her as a muse and a teacher all year cynthia arrivo is a freaking crazy talented genius woman i would give every last drop of blood in my veins until this monster called slavery is dead I love her. I love her. She, I follow her on Instagram and she's, I love her. She's great. She's great. So I'm happy it was her. I'm happy it was um, not the usual suspects. I'm happy. There was a lot of folks who were angry that she's, because she's British. Right, right. And there are people who are angry, like, why didn't, why wasn't there an African American woman who played this role? Um, and I, 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 I didn't, I didn't. I didn't engage in that conversation. Let me just say that. I didn't engage in that. <clears throat> so I want to just like honor her and her contribution before I go in. Cause I think that she did a good job. Um, one of the things that I did not like about the water dancer was the creation of this like mythology around Harriet Tubman's work and how she accomplished what she accomplished and it put it was off putting to me for them to reduce like all of the miles that she walked all of the mm-hmm. people that she had to drag along with her all of the times that she was in danger all the times that she was chased all the like all of the actual labor she put into the underground railroad it was upsetting to me that it was reduced to this like 2 minute um magical exchange like i'm just gonna we're gonna we're gonna teleport to the north like that was upsetting to me because i wanted her i wanted her toil to be honored in a different way Mm. 
Um, and again, like you said, but well, actually, like I just like I let go of that so I can enjoy the storytelling because I think the storytelling, the story is written beautifully. I love what Tony Hosey Coates, what Tony Hosey Coates did with the book. I love the language. I love the imagery. I, it's still sitting with me now. So I kind of let that go. But what happened for me when I watched Harriet was I was forced to acknowledge and sit with her actual mythical and mystical nature, which we don't often, we're not, we don't often get an opportunity to to talk about that part of who she was. Right. So, so for folks who don't know the story, there was, which Harriet was a child, she was in a, um, I was going to call it an accident, but it wasn't an accident. Somebody threw something that was meant to, to hit someone else and it hit her in the head. And she was like, basically in a coma for a long time. They didn't call it that. And I don't think they had the technology to call it a coma then. And I've never heard anybody say it now, but like well, the way it described is because she was unconscious for like a really long time. And when she finally came to, cause I think that they thought she was going to die. Cause it was like two months or something, if I'm not mistaken, like two months that she was out, they thought she was going to die. She came back um, awake and then like ever, after that, she would have these spells where she would either pass out or she would like be in deep prayer and she had visions and she had, you know, um, um, what do you call those? Premonitions. She had all that. Right. And so the thing that I loved about this movie is that it forced me to embrace and acknowledge and celebrate like the, the spiritual power that she had, the spiritual insight that she had, like who she was as a, as a prayer warrior, who she was as a deeply spiritual, deeply um, God-centered person and how much her relationship with her spiritual side was a tool and the tool that had her be successful as, as she was becoming an, a conductor on the Underground Railroad. And the other thing that I loved about this movie is that it like, really told the story of who she was as a liberator outside of the context of the Underground Railroad, even though she was like, eventually became a conductor. She eventually was a big part of that movement and she was in there, but it it, it didn't, like the way that we are taught um, Harriet Tubman in school is like there was this thing called the Underground Railroad and there was this woman who worked on the Underground Railroad and she helped free slaves. But the truth is that Harriet Tubman's um, her compulsion for freedom for herself and for her family and for other people just came from her. It was just like who she actually was. It did not, it wasn't generated as a part of the underground railroad. It wasn't cultivated by those people. It wasn't um, managed by them any, e- either. It was like something that she had to do as a human being on the earth who saw people suffering, who saw people in bondage, who, who felt the suffering and knew that that wasn't her, her destiny. And I, Really love that. If I'm free, my family should be too. I made up my mind, I'm going back. Now, that being said, what I did not like was it was like slavery light. It was like the, uh, what I don't want to happen is for people to see this movie and not feel like the intense suffering and agony and pain and violence and terror of slavery, which is like the thing for all movies that like right. depict slavery. Right? I think the only movie that I ever saw that I actually felt the intensity that I and that I think was even halfway halfway close was Birth of a Nation. 
which was a few years ago, which was like very graphic. Yeah. It was this, this, the movie that told the story of Nat Turner and the Nat Turner Rebellion. It was like super graphic. I saw stuff in that movie that I was like, that was hard to watch, which I thought was totally appropriate because it doesn't it doesn't always happen in these films. And I and and I I missed the intensity of what she was running from and what she was pulling people out of. Like it it didn't it didn't feel it just wasn't there was something missing for me there and it didn't feel honest right it didn't feel completely honest that's how i feel i feel like i mean i i i enjoyed it um and i have a new relationship with harry tubman now which i enjoy i also love that like my movie theater was also full of families mm-hmm. which feels like a, a, that feels new that feels new for there to be a story like that told in a in public in the in the public pop culture sphere that like people actually got their kids and their parents and their grandparents and their aunties and actually went and watched it as a family that felt it was like when roots came out and families watched it together but it's like that doesn't happen I don't know that that's happened in recent times. Like that kind of story told in that way with where, where people felt like they could bring their families. Yeah. I, I feel like that was really great. And I love that happens with historical, like uh, historical time pieces, particularly like uh, Harriet. I, I remember seeing the same uh, me and my older sister, Nancy and her uh, family, you know, my nephews and niece, uh, we watched um, uh, Selma together. This is what maybe mm-hmm. six, uh, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's like the last time I felt like that type of same vibe uh, going to a movie, um, and and the the type of questions that my niece would ask. And at the time, she must have been nine, right? Um, and she asked very directly, uh, Uncle Calvin, how come uh, they don't focus on the women more, or like. Are, are, That's right. They, she asked questions about: <laughs> Did the women have more of a role? Uh, Come on, nine-year-old, right? You better ask right? Question. And 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 you know, asking me uh, <laughs> probably probably because she knew I was that well, actually, spirit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got into a conversation about it. Did a little research. I pointed her to um, you know some of the characters. And 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 in this movie, I don't think I, I actually want to ask her if she's seen it. Um, but I don't think that type of question would have emerged in that same way it because the 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 story of black women um Mm -hmm. who um the complexities of holding family together challenging Mm -hmm. um the the i I liked how agent marie brown oh shouts out to adrian thanks so much for joining us the other day um (laughs) uh she wrote a very beautiful um a reflection on the movie Harriet and she, mm. she named it as patriarchal doubt. The like mm. having a challenge the patriarchal doubt of um, her, uh, her first husband, which we'll get to in a second. Um, uh, you know, William still uh, even, mm-hmm. even uh, in one scene among the other conductors and among the committee where she was uh, the fugitive slave act was enacted. And there was that okay. sense of, we have to change our tactics. We got to our strategy. Right. And she's like, y'all must have forgot what it was like to be enslaved. Y'all must have forgotten what it meant. Like you think that people are going to stop, you know, the difference of 100 to 600 miles to get to freedom. You you're forgetting. Right. right? Uh, And so to be able to, to know that that 
part of the story was being honored in all the different ways that freedom struggles were happening. Again, like yeah. from the planning sessions to the family, just checking in on family, sending word back in songs and prayers. And yes, in, in armed resistance, like the, yeah. that part was not uh, uh, glossed over or skimmed over. It was actually uh, a part of the, the conversation. And, and I know even that part um, it can, can be held with some, some challenge as well. So it was just like, I, I appreciate the movie for introducing the, the historical um, accounts of Harriet Tubman, but also more broadly exploring some parts of uh, the historical accounts of that time that often don't get uh, addressed. It does bring up uh, in this, like uh, I, I, like I said earlier, um, had some uh, feelings about how people were responding to the character Bigger, who was a fictional character. This yeah, was the, right. the black uh, slave catcher bounty hunter uh, who when I was watching in, in the film uh, live, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the trope, the the big, yeah. burly black man yeah. who makes yeah. crude jokes about white women and makes like, like and, and, and calls yeah. her all types of names outside of herself. And is the one who gets shot by the um, spoiler, oh alert, spoiler alert, spoiler yeah. alert, spoiler alert, gets shot by the uh, slave master. As if he was the bastion of justice. Right. Right. Uh, although, you know, not in a white savior type, but he was just like, you know, I, I told you I wanted her alive. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like paternalistic, like, nah, if anyone's going to do it, it's yeah. going to be me. Um, and I think it's worth saying that did that exist? Yes. And it was actually rare. And it it may not. It, there's no official record that that type of that, that that happened like that character was created for the purposes of the movie and it's also true that in the context of all that happening it was in the context of of black bodies who were seeped in a, a deeply white supremacist and racist society making decisions about how they were going to survive and live and mm-hmm. some made awful decisions right within yeah. that that awful awful society right um and and there's one particular part that actually like melted my heart a little bit when when it came to that conversation it was the one that she had with her harriet had with her sister when Mm. she said she had come back a couple of times it's like no i'm going back for my sister uh who at Mm. that time was in 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 the um in in this uh not just in the slave court but in the house right and so saying hey come with us and then finding out that I, I want to say it was Harriet Tubman's brother or one of the other men, uh, his, his wife and child were uh, still there. And, and she was saying like, bring them all. And <clears throat> her sister said, Oh no, she remarried. Um, and, and taking care of the, the you know, kids and, and other, uh, you know, in the family. And before something could be said, her sister was like, looked her dead in her eyes said, don't you dare judge us. That's right. Don't judge us. That's right. Don't judge us. And, 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 there's more to it that that was said, but there was that moment that I felt like she wasn't talking to Harriet Tubman only. She was mm-hmm. a, a conduit to talk to the audience. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we would have done in that moment. It, like it no. brings chills and gets me choked up just to think no. about 
you know, I mean, hell, we're in this conversation now about what, where do we go for freedom? Some people are moving back to the South. Some people are moving out to Antioch if you're out here in the Bay Area because you can't afford price. Some people are looking for what that freedom land is. Some people are going back to the continent. Some people went to, you know, are moving back to Ghana. Some other people went for the year return and didn't come home. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having at least the level of um, historical knowledge and reference to have that level of compassion uh, and, and, and not to say I understand and I forgive and it's okay, but in the sense of folks really were, this institution ha- did such a, 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 a deep harm to people's humanity that the, the decisions that people had to make, we, it, it's almost unfathomable, but people did. And there were people like Harriet Tubman, not, all but you know she's definitely special but she is still a person and a human yes and made a deeply profound commitment to liberation and made the decision to not just free herself but as many as she could in ways that she like in every way that she could say yes she said yes and Mm -hmm. it's like that invitation by the ancestors like so what do we say yes to in this moment right because here we are um yeah, yeah. So I've been sitting and, with that. And what, what, and what are we sitting in and grounded in as we make those decisions? And what are we reaching for in terms of our own gifts and our own access to to who we are beyond our minds and our on our physical environment? Like how 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 do we get the depth that she had to be mm. able to, to be able to do that? Because the, <laughs> there's. One of the things that I I do not like in life is the people who say, "If I was a slave, I woulda." Those people, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. with them because you actually you don't know, you don't know what you would do, it, and what are you doing now? Like you, you aren't even doing anything right now, <laughs> right? With your cushy job and your this and that, you're not even doing anything right now because people are still suffering. And 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 we're all individually suffering from the ways that we are in in bondage culturally, like what the things that we think about, how we see ourselves, how we see other people, how we become oppressors oppressors of other people in, in all the ways that we do. And I and I think that like being able to to be able to watch this movie and really think about Harriet's humanity mm-hmm. and in, in her fullness, like the fullness of her humanity and all the things that she's experienced and all the things that she um, pulled on and went through to be able to accomplish what she did was really, was really sent me down like a rabbit hole really of like who, who I'm becoming and what, and what do I access and, and how, um, <laughs> spiritually especially like how am i interfacing with who i am as a spiritual being to be able to accomplish the things that i think that we um can accomplish in in terms of liberation and sovereignty and self-determination and all those things and the other thing about this movie was it really told the story of a whole bunch of women Mm -hmm. in a really beautiful way the way that they told the story of Jonah, uh, Janelle Monet's character and the complexity of being a woman who was born free and had all that um like economic privilege and like who she decided to be for um folks who were coming out of out of slavery and even the places where Harriet like alluded to the same conversation about judgment like don't don't judge she didn't say it but like the looks and the eyes and this comments like don't judge us you don't you don't actually know what this feels like 
Yeah. Right. You don't actually know what we've what we're coming out of. And here's the ways that we need you to support and the way that they were able to build that relationship in the film and even her sister and like the complexity of her being um, who she was and not wanting to leave. And then her mom and like oh. the way that she like yeah. pr- protected her mother, the way that she protected her mother from knowing what was happening and the reasons why and the way that she created that distance and how, you know, what that meant for her. It just, the, the women in this movie are, are so um, human. Mm-hmm. They were just so human. They're like so many complexities and so many nuances in their personalities and in their stories that I really, really appreciated. Um, and, you know, the 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 when I think about the opposite of that, it's like the the the, the flatness of um, the bigger long character that was played by Omar Omar Dorsey, who who we know from a whole bunch of movies, but mostly from Queen Sugar. Yeah. You know, Which is such opposite yeah. character that he plays in Queen Sugar, like right? The total opposite <laughs> person of of Hollywood. Okay, yeah. Hollywood would never have done never. that. I think that's never. part of my like why I had such a deep like. <laughs> dissonance after remember it's like he's not he's not hollywood no he's not hollywood he wasn't but it's like it i I do i do have questions about the about the choice because because the other thing about harriet tubman is that there's not a lot of her story is documented there's a lot that we don't know that people don't know right and when you read the biographies about her there's a lot of like conjecture and filling in and extrapolation in her story because there's so little um, documentation. And so I knew going in that there was going to be some stuff that they were going to have to like fill in the blanks, but it just makes you, it, the questions that I have about like, why, why these fill-ins, like why this story, why this character, why this action? And the fact that Bigger Long's character was like portrayed as way more maniacal and way more, um, nasty and punitive and all that than any of the white characters, any of the slaveholding characters, like none of them were as vitriolic as yeah. the bigger long character. Like, I, and I find I, that yeah. interesting. And the only time that there was like intense emotion, it was the woman, the the, the mom of the family who just literally was like, uh, what is the word? I don't know the word, but just like completely out of control. You know, like mm. she came across as almost yeah. crazy, not 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 mean or not um, not someone who's violating laws of humanity, not somebody who's out of like it just came across as crazy, basically. And I just found I found that I found that interesting. That, that is interesting. Yeah, the, the um, yeah. Oh, you just like opened up a whole thing around. <laughs> so I'm going to start with something as a as a complete non sequitur aside mm-hmm. why did the person who played the character walter completely look like he was playing Jimi hendrix <laughs> i was like i was like did Jimi hendrix go back in time like he looked like he was wearing something i'm just you know oh you get on my i was waiting for him to say to harriet let me just stand next to your fire i'm just you know (laughs) the wind cries harriet i'm done with this podcast (laughs) oh where's my guitar i'm about to play the wind cries all right that is hilarious (laughs) 
We're going to put it up right now. You got a point there. A side by side. Side by side. I'm just saying, I want to make a biopic of (laughs) starring the guy that played Walter. Bring the same exact. We're going to call that a crossover crossover episode with Harriet (laughs) meets Jimmy. (laughs) Lord. Oh, bless us. Bless us. No. All right. All right. It's, no. I needed to do that to make my yeah. my pivot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, just even in what you're bringing up with the, the ways in which um, the story provides historical context, there, there are things that were very interesting to explore. It was like what you were saying about the, um, the mother who inherits the, the plantation, um, Uh, uh, or the estate because it wasn't quite you know what i mean right right um and how uh the decision she was making was in response to other men who were like you owe us restitution and 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 the, the conversation of like wow this entire system being um, when I say system, I mean like institutionally, federal to state to even the social norms of, of engagement among family, yeah. uh, reparation and restitution was only in regards to, or mainly written in regards to the the slaveholders, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The enslavers, and 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 still seeing it as as properties, and even how at the front of of the movie. Uh, I think this is like important history also that Harriet Tubman for all intents and purposes, even, even where I'm like, yeah, everyone should have been born free and everyone is born free. Um, By paper within that institution should have been free. Right. Uh, Because she went, there was an agreement that her mother would be freed after what was it? 45. um, And, and that would apply to the family. And then, that being completely ignored and then look, ignoring that uh, who's free, who's a freed person, who's not, and always having to carry papers on you and all of that going out the window after the passage of the fugitive slave act in which, um, you know, if anyone has watched, uh, was it uh, 12 years a slave or or, uh, other accounts of people who were freed that actually were brought into enslavement um, or, or were brought back into, um, you know, through the Fugitive Slave Act, it's just thinking of that reign of terror, right? That was literally happening at every given moment to where even when you were free, you had a fight to stay that way. Um, yeah. and, and, and it wasn't enough to say, I am free and this is my freedom. We actually have to create a whole new institution for what freedom means and create that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, people having to make bold and radical decisions and, and, and creating strategies to um, uh, all the freedom strategies for all the ways to liberate and, and not not stopping at, no, we can't do that. I yeah. think that's something that, that I respect so deeply out of the story of Harriet Tubman and also how this movie portrayed it, that no was not an answer that was acceptable. No, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And, and, that's and right. The, the, only, the only answer, like the only time that she would pause is if she got, uh, I love how... Uh, uh, Casey Simmons described it. It was like Harriet Tubman's spider sense, right? Yes. right? So if there were, going back to what you said earlier, if there was a superpower, not conduction to 
yeah, that's right. Portal, someone. Look at, that's right. But not a portal to the other state, but a portal to the heavens. Right. Where she could tap in mm-hmm. and really get clear about what was up. Yeah, premonition yeah. that hey, I feel yeah. something, or um, yeah. the 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 power of um, you know sonic telepathy, being able to right. move people through songs and and hidden messages, and and right. having them sing the songs as like a you know. The, the the throughout the as a, as a call to action that was like the, the it's just such a beautiful rendition of it and there was something beautiful about being in the theater and people singing the songs yeah did, did that happen where you're watching yes it did yeah. and i have a friend who i have a friend who um who saw it in philadelphia and he was telling me that there was a point in the movie where there was like she was in the um it was when she was in the woods and she was singing out mm-hmm. and she like left space for um for folks to come in in the space that she left in the film the entire audience did a call and response thing back it was like uh, okay 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 i was like come on black people you better be in the movie theater singing yes <laughs> let's do it come on <laughs> Yes, let's do it. I um I'm I'm really I'm really happy that this film was made, even with the 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 issues that I think were there. I think it is an important story and I and I, I think the way that this story is being told is like it's getting there. Like we're not all the way there, but we're getting there. And like the way that we have all this space right now to experiment with how we tell our stories and what we what we bring to the surface and what we add to the mix. Is, is an important conversation for us to be in. I, I want to give a special shout out to Vondi Curtis Hall, mm. who played the Reverend, who played the trickster in the film. I think that like that's that's not also something that we don't see often. We either see the one like the, the super super revolutionary or the super super shucker driver, mm. but like to be able to see him in there as duplicitous and being able to like present the way he presented and then be actually the person that helped her get to liberation. I think it's an important story in PSS Cassie Lemon's husband, by the way. Oh, like your man job. No, I didn't know that. All good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I also want to um want to have people like who who have not been following is that this past weekend there was a reenactment of a slave rebellion. I was gonna bring that and, up. <laughs> yes, and I think that like that as an example again of like how the evolution of the way that we're telling these stories mm-hmm. is really, really important for us to pay attention to and to be able to um participate in in meaningful ways, right? And so I think that's important. And I and I think finally I just wanna say um I, this this um this movie has me has had me thinking about um um the Nate Parker. Oh. So this this I have been thinking a lot about Nate Parker um as as you know I've been thinking about this movie and thinking about um about Water Dancer um also and like the conversation that we didn't get to have when Birth of, when Birth of a Nation came out. Mm. Um, and the reasons why we didn't get to have that conversation um, have been have been sitting with me, and I want to talk about that too. Um, not right now, but like there's something that I, I'm longing in this moment to talk about Birth of a Nation, to talk about Nate Parker, to talk about um, the allegations against him, and like how and in this conversation we've been having all season about cancel culture and 
how like how do we hold the complexities not only of the stories but of the people who are telling these stories and what is our responsibility in that um and what we missed out on from his offering because we weren't able to do that in that moment and was that was that a prudent um, way of moving or was it, did we make a mistake or all, I want to talk about all of that is sitting with me and in the way that these stories are evolving. And, um, I'm, I'm grateful for this movie because yeah. it, it has me in some really, really interesting and complex and difficult conversations uh, with myself and with the people who are around me. I appreciate that. I, I feel my takeaway and appreciation for the film is the invitation to be the storytellers that we need ourselves to be uh, in telling all of the many different truths that are simultaneously beautiful and also uh, uh, just complex. And (laughs) um, there wasn't a shying away of that in this film. No. Um, from you know, we talked about bigger long. We talked about um, the the decisions of uh, certain folks who decided not to uh, uh, to liberate. I, I'll say liberate themselves and joining the you know they're they're not runaway slaves. They're people who are just owning their their freedom. Um, mm. And uh, even to the point where it was very interesting. Did you notice that there was? Um, an indigenous person who was part of the slave catching. I did group, notice that. Right? I sure did. Yeah. And how that was nothing else is mentioned, just That's visually right. there. Um, yeah. That, you know, at the same time, I was like, yeah, and the stories of folks who were welcome, like folks who were um, liberating themselves and were welcomed in um as part of okay. nations and i you know acknowledge and embraced as sovereign peoples and, and so being able to hold all of that um in in this this truth um like re- reclaiming truths um and telling yeah. telling the truths um with the hopes that a new tr- new truths can emerge um so as storytellers i believe you know we don't have to rely on a singular platform or a storyteller or even industry to tell the story. Let's maybe we need to reclaim the story of uh, Nat Turner and, 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 and have a mini series or tell it through comics or tell it through uh, webisodes, right? Maybe we need to have um, uh, additional slave rebellion or enslaved rebellion, uh, 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 reenactments and and having the stories of how uh that was actually um there were times in which uh there was black and indigenous uh uh you know alliances that that happened to uh uh create these intentional communities and 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 protect their freedom like maybe there are some ways that we can explore that and so i just really want to lift up uh, all of the uh, creatives and storytellers and mm-hmm. people who created an immersive experience through the slave rebellion uh, reenactment this past weekend in New Orleans. Um, yeah. I, I think that was, uh, if y'all uh, haven't heard about that, we'll post it up at the Big Wee podcast. It will show you the live video. Um, but an invitation to the weavers, uh, what ways will you write the story of the future and write the story of um that, that reclaims the truth that we need to tell. Uh, so that that's what's sitting with me. So I want to invite others into exploring that. Mm-hmm. How about you, Anasa, as we wrap up here? Yeah. 
<laughs> I, 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 um, I just keep hearing the word humanity in my mind, um, both because I really appreciate the complexity of humanity and like all the things that come out of us when we're in situations where it doesn't feel like there's any hope, like how we generate hope, how we um, find comfort in hopeless situations, how we find light, how we um, find our way out. Right. And all of, all of, um, in all of our humanity and, and what it, what does it mean to be human? Like, what does that, what is it, <laughs> as we reflect on a decade, what does it mean to be human? And what is the, what is the future of humanity? Because for Harriet Tubman, we are the future of humanity. Like we are how the future has shown up as a part of the legacy of her story. And we are, we are able to show up in the parts of our humanity that we are because of what she did, like because of who she was and the example that she, the new example that she created for like, as a human, you can be this person as a human, you can accomplish this as a human, you can access this power. And, and I, I find myself wondering, am I, um, am I acting in a way that's worthy of her contribution to the expansion of the possibility of humanity? And what does it mean for me to fully embody what she made possible? Um, not just in what she did, but in her actual way of being. And that is sitting with me really hard. And and then also like how, how am I supposed to show up to create more possibility for our humanity in the future? What is the thing that I can show up as that creates new a new model, a new possibility, a new little like nook and cranny of of connection and love and humanity for for people who may listen to our podcast in a hundred years and be like, oh man, I didn't even think about being like that. I could I could be I could be this person. I could live into that legacy, and I and I want to. Um, I want to be that for me and like, not just for that person, but for like, like for my own self, I want to be the next most elegant version of what a human can be. And that is what I am left with. So there, <laughs> it's been so good to be with you, Calvin, for the whole year yeah. on the internet. Hey. <laughs> And, and a couple episodes in person, and a couple. Yeah, oh, we have to do that more next season. I just had a, a a flash image in my mind of us in Paris on a microphone in a room full of a whole bunch of people. So I guess we're gonna we're gonna do a recording in Paris next season. Great, mm. so excited. I mean, they do have an Afrofuturist um, uh, exhibit. Oh, great! Sign me up. Let's go. Boom! There it is. Let's Shall go. I walk All right, we manifest. We manifest. I'll have the bury um, baby carrier and everything. So. Yeah, when we come back um, in season three, you'll have a whole baby, a whole other person, a whole new part of the Weverse will be born, Yo. and I'm so excited about that. I can't wait. And you will be um, growing your Claiborne Temple uh, you know, placemaking and, and culture keeping. Uh, I'm really excited. I have so much to tell you about that. There is my brain is like on overload. I'm oh, like yeah. consuming all kind of information about new economy and all like my, I am becoming a, um, an urban economist. That's what I decided. I'm going to be a street economist. Just like those public theologians. I'm going to be a public economist. Go ahead now. 
I'm excited. <laughs> lots to say, lots to say. Weavers. And, um, yeah. Yes, thank you, Weavers. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to us and for um, making us feel like we have something important to say. <laughs> and, and continue <laughs> to send any thoughts, reflections, questions, or love uh, at the big we. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our, our website, the, the Big We Podcast. Uh, so thank you again for a beautiful season. Uh, much love. Um, hope many more laughs. And in all ways that you can expand that invitation for what humanity can be and expand this bigger we. So thank you all. <laughs> Blessings to you. Yes. And if you want to know what I think about Kanye West, call me. Wow. I to say. <laughs> How are going to end? We're gonna end like that. Oh, well, yeah, because that's what that's what came up. Calvin, I have things to say. We, have, we don't we have, have another episode. So check us out. Call me. Holla. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, apparently, we're gonna keep the the, the the sidebar going. Yes, yes, and look out for us special two special episodes if I make it to Ghana and then because you know I have to talk about Star Wars so I'll talk to y'all I'm this totally morning while Cabin's on. I'm going to totally gonna sneak into it. I'm going to sneak into it. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble. Gonna, it's too soon. I'm going to be that guy with the baby in the movie theater. Be like, y'all, y'all, shush yourselves. <laughs> He's alright. <laughs> Dressed up as baby Lando. <laughs> <laughs> just go to the 11 a.m. movie and then it'll be fine there won't be anybody in there go on like tuesday 11 a.m and it'll be, it'll be all right i'm always the only one that's what i go to <laughs> all right, all right i love you calvin shout all out right. to we am our producer extraordinaire thank you we am for everything you make us who we are because if y'all didn't hear, if y'all heard the unedited version of these conversations, you would think we were crazy. No. <laughs> We'd be called the big y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my ghost. Oh, snap. All right. All right. <laughs> Cut our mics. <laughs> of course, we also have to thank the wonderful Paula Maritzan, who was taking care of our post-production and our audio editing and all of our sound engineering. And my boo is over at Creatives Day in Nashville for our theme song featuring Patrick Brooks, a.k.a. Cadence Pat and the Andronicus Hawkins, a.k.a. Nickus Beats. And, of course, our beautiful, wonderful, brilliant, innovative, futuristic listeners. This has been The Big Wee. <laughs> <laughs>